Gardening with Sabrina. Oh, Sabrina, hello and welcome back to the studio. Tets, how absolutely fabulous to actually see you in the flesh. Now, you've brought some flowers in today. Where have these come from? I have. These are from my garden, actually. Mm, and beautiful. And I have a little eclectic mix, I'd mm. have to say. So the thing is, in summer, people think that stuff doesn't flower in summer, mm. but heaps of stuff mm, flowers mm. in summer. And if you get up at the crack of dawn, as I do, and you go out into your garden, all the little tiny nectar-feeding birds are out there because yeah. the nectar's really fluid first thing in the morning mm, before it all mm. dries up. So I just had a little wander around my garden and so I've got Eremophila, I've got Salvia, I've got Scavola, I've got Grevillea and I've even got a little fuchsia. Yes, I saw the fuchsia on there. That's big. I've got my fuchsia's about right? one point, probably be 1.5 high. Wow. I had a terrible experience with the fuchsia. Oh. When I felt. bought my first house when I was... In 22 years ago. Yeah. And I went down to a beautiful little, what was it? It was a townhouse in Mount Lawley. We went down the yeah. road to Beaufort Street to this beautiful little nursery. It's yep. still there. It's got a cafe attached I to it. I know it. You know I the know one? And they had this fuchsia yeah. in, a, in a hanging pot. I thought, that looks beautiful. How much is that? It was 30 bucks, far too much for me at the time, but I bought it anyway. Hung it on my back veranda, put, hooked up the sprinkler, and a hot day came and it just died. It just, it just, it dropped all its flowers. Yep. It went, it, it drooped and I tried to bring it back to life. No, no, no. resus worked. No, it did not. See, Tets, you bought the wrong fuchsia. Did I? So those, the little fuchsias that mm. hang and look, treat them like a cut flower. Oh, yes. Because they're not very hardy. <laughs> I discovered this. But the big cane, the old-fashioned yeah, cane ones, mm. which you can't get in nurseries anymore. Right. You have to go to old people's gardens mm. and pinch cuttings from them. Right. Well, not pinch. Yes, you just... They're, they're very willing to, mm. to mm. share. So that's what that is. Yeah, are they difficult to... You cut them off, do you have to put some rooting powder on them or something? You shove them in a glass of water mm -hmm. and you replace the water every three days. You'll see roots develop and then you shove them in the ground. And not that, go. not too much more than that to no. it, really. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's because it's a beautiful flower, isn't oh, it? Oh, it is stunning. These old-fashioned ones, this is purple and pink, mm. and the other one I've got is pink and white. Um, but see this grevillea here? Mm. Uh, it's lost its iridescence, but it's called City Lights, and it is blow your eyeballs out orange flowers yeah. when it first comes out. Yeah, it still looks good. I mean, it's still a beautiful orange. Yeah, it's wilting a bit like I do on a 40-degree day. <laughs> but um, so if you have a big diversity of plants in your garden, you will have flowers all summer long. Mm, mm. And if people notice there's gum trees that have got big yellow flowers on them at the moment and they have a red cap called the red cap yellow flowering gum. Funnily enough. Funnily enough, yeah. Um, so they're all, all in full flower. Silver Princess is all in full flower. So go to a nursery in summer and go, I want one of those, one of those, one of those, one of those. Mm. Let's pack them all in. Beautiful. Look, we've got some questions coming in, Sabrina, so I Ooh. reckon we should get into it. All right, let's uh, do it. Michelle has texted in. She says, hi, Sab, wondering on suggestions for a mid-sized screening plant for in large pots for a tropical look on an east-facing, sun-scorched, windy spot ah. in Margaret River. Okay. Um, oh, what have I done? Um, so uh, you're in Margaret River. So 
it's a bit milder, the climate there. So you could have Geisha Girl, Duranta mm-hmm. Geisha Girl. You could have Grevillea Ruby Gem. The problem with Grevillea is if they dry out in the pot, Bonskis. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, the Duranta Geisha Girl is a really good screening plant. Super, super, super tough. The little birds love the nectar in it and it flowers on and off all year round. Yeah, good, good. All right, Michelle, give that one a go. Uh, Tom uh, says, hi, Sabrina, I have this vine growing all over and strangling my olive tree. I'm going to find. He sent us a photo. Here it is. Uh, uh, um, Ah, that's a dodder. So... Oh, they're mongrel things. Now there's a there's a uh, a local dotter and an invasive dotter. Mm. Unfortunately, you've got the latter. Uh, they have the most irritating rhizomes in the ground. They're very difficult to get rid of. You're just going to have to keep cutting it constantly. Because mm, he's been trying to pull it off manually. He says he's no cut it off. At cut the it base. off the base. Okay. Yep. yep. They're parasitic. Yeah. Their pain in the body body. All right. There you go, Tom. That's the bad news. Um, this person says possums. Got to ah. strip their two flowering plums. It started in spring when they were away. Uh, didn't work out what was going on until December. Now the trees are completely naked. Um, what to do? The trees are stressed. They've done regular applications of sea salt and water retention products. Any ideas for moving possums on? Oh, possums. <laughs> um, so now possums are very territorial. Mm. So if you, if you can catch them, uh, they'll come back. Uh, so... You can actually leave other – so they've come and eaten all the plum trees because there's probably nothing else to eat. So encourage your neighbours to put peppermints in because they really like they like those and they'll bugger <laughs> Go off. Go to the neighbour's place <laughs> instead, yes. Uh, or some people leave out uh, cut fruit on, oh. a, on a table and – Hopefully they get their fill there, mm. um, and but really it's very difficult moving possums along, yeah, because their habitat's going. So yeah, they're they're finding that they'll go to other people's habitat and share what mm. they have. I feel sorry for them. Bill's texted in uh, to say he's got some Sir Walter buffalo that's dying out. Anything he can do to bring it back to life? Ah, now it could be dying out because of armyworm, which is all around at the moment. So there is a bacteria-based spray that's totally safe to use and safe for everything else and the birds that eat the caterpillars. You spray it on the lawn, you'll probably have to do two lots of it One now, again, in two weeks' time. Um, Can't give you a product name, but it's Bacillus thuringiensis. Try and remember that. Um, anyway, it's a yeah, it's a bacteria spray. Okay. uh, For caterpillars, so spray it. Spray it again in two weeks' time. Beck is in two J, and Beck, you've sent us a photo of your plants. uh, Not looking good. No. Oh, Beck. Is that a hydrangea? It's a bit hard to tell by the weeping brown. Yeah, we had three days last week of 46 degrees up here. So do I I cut it back or leave it or Mm. will it shoot? All my plants are like that. My fuchsias, my busy lizzies, they're all crunchy. Yeah. I've got crunchy plants. (laughs) (laughs) 
and that's not the type that you want to be crunchy. No, nah. no. And even, I've even had big trees that died last week. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. it was like it was like a fire came through with no flames. Yeah. Everything's burnt. Yeah, because of that hot easterly, it just it mm-hmm. sucks the moisture out of everything. Now, um, the busy Lizzie's may not come back. The fuchsia and the hydrangeas will. So don't just don't prune them though, Beck. I want you to leave. Mm. I know they look terrible, but I want you to leave all of those leaves on. Give it plenty of water so you may if we've got another heat wave coming through make sure they're protected from the next wave of hot easterlies so you've got it inside yeah you'll have to bring them inside beck they've Mm. got to be out of that hot wind otherwise they won't survive another grilling yeah all right i'll do that keep the water (laughs) up um and then in a week's time i think next week it's going to cool down a bit just leave them in dappled light uh, and then you can, like in two weeks' time, you can start pruning off all the affected withered growth. Okay, yep. Yep. Don't right. fertilise them, Beck. No, because I know. anything yeah, I know that's awful. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Chris is in double view, I believe. Hello, Chris. G'day, mate. G'day. Thanks, Brina. Hello, Massive Chris. Oh, aren't you a darling? That makes me <laughs> feel good. Oh, good stuff. Um, I've planted a couple eucalyptus victrixes and they're going gangbusters, um, which is awesome. However, they're in a westerly facing yard and they're getting absolutely pelted by the wind. So my question is, um, when can I prune them and how low can I go? Okay. So how old are said eucalypts at the moment? Well, bought them from Bunnings, uh, probably about a year and a half ago and they were, you know, sort of fairly established, about a metre and a half tall. So okay. now they would probably be getting close to three years, I'd, I'd, I'd guess. Okay. So there's eucalypts that we can coppice, meaning cut it down near ground level, uh, and they reshoot from a lignotuber. Uh, right. And they do this because of fire. Now, Victrix you can, but the, but the tree needs to be at least five years old before you can do that, Chris. So what cool. I would suggest to you, because I've got a Victrix and it got half the limb got ripped off, um, which made it very unbalanced. So I had to prune it anyway, otherwise I was going to lose the whole tree. Now, the best time to do that is at the end of March. If you can wait until then, then you can prune them back by a third, no problem whatsoever. Too easy. Ah, few more stark pickets, few more uh, yeah, just, dodgy knots, and yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get through till March when the wind drops off. Get, get your old stockings out, Chris, and uh, yeah. use those. They're very effective in tying trees to a, to a post. Perfect. Got a Judy. I don't think people wear stockings anymore. I don't think they do. They're really handy things, though. Yeah, you know, they are handy because yeah. you talk about them. Mm. Shannon Lush mm. talks about them. Every day, a rolled up pair of pantyhose, and yeah. you make these brand balls that last for 10 years, you put them in the freezer. Oh. Of course, when your fan belt breaks, yeah. you can use them for that. I don't know if we have fan belts anymore in cars, do we? Uh, probably not. I think that might be. Well, a... If you're driving an old Commodore or something. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But I use them because I grow my pumpkins and rock melons up a fence right so i use them to tie the because they expand Mm. so i use them uh and the rock melon can grow them quite safely and it's not on the ground yeah 
I think you're right, though. Pantyhose might be a thing of the past. On legs. Yeah, on, <laughs> on legs. Only in gardens or perhaps over your head. I'm not sure. That's right. They're also really good for if you want to capture seeds, mm. little seeds that float away or even grevillea seeds, you just cut the foot out of your stocking or a section of it mm. and the seed gets trapped in the stocking, yeah. in the pantyhose. Yeah. And I don't, they, they probably don't call them pantyhoses. Patty high? <laughs> when I was a kid, my mum used to make me butterfly nets out of old ah, yeah, stockings yeah. With, yeah. The, with the coat hanger. But the problem was that they were so long and skinny and you'd chase after the, I've since learned they're cabbage moths, right. and you catch them in there, yeah. but they would, just, they would get stuck down the end of the, by the time you got them out, you know, they were... They yeah. were done for. Which is what you want with those black cabbage moths. <laughs> oh, I used to love them when I was a kid. I had one, I had a pet one, it was called Buttercup. Oh, <laughs> oh that's so cute. <laughs> I stamp on them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to Judy. She's in Lake Clifton. Hi, Judy. Oh, hi. How are you? Yeah, You're good, Judy. Good. Tell us about your seedlings. Yeah, I um, procured them at the last year's gardening show. They were a giveaway called Cocky's Tongues. I'm unfamiliar with Cocky's Tongues, but nearly all of them sprouted. They're now around about six, eight inches high, most of them. Yeah. But they're like one long skinny stem. Do I nip out the top to make it branch out or leave it going as one single stem? Now, I'm wondering what – there's about – Six things called Cocky's Tongue, but I'm oh, okay. guessing that it's a Templetonia, which is a coastal Yes, I think you're right. Yes. Ah, okay. Yes, I Perfect. think you're right. Yes, pinch the tip out, Judy. Okay. And, and then when when should I um, put them into a bigger pot or will they be how, big uh, enough come autumn oh, to go definite, in the ground? Well, how big did you say they were now? Only six, eight inches. Oh, no, that's big enough to put them in a pot now. What about if I'm putting them in the ground? Oh, wouldn't do it at this time of the year. No, no. At the end of uh, autumn, you can put them straight in the ground. Yep. Perfect. Yep. yep. And just add a bit of um, compost to the ground yeah, or Yeah, a little bit of compost, a little bit of um, just a tiny bit of compost, tiny bit of clay. They like sandy yep. soils. They love Templetonia. I have plenty well of that. Yes, I know, <laughs> Lake Clifton. Gutless sandy soils, Templetonia. Love it. Beautiful. They should go well. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, Judy. Uh, on the text line, mm. we have one from Sarah in Parkoo. She says, I'd like to line up for a question, please, about a sick succulent. It's spreading rapidly and Sarah's wondering if she needs to remove it. And also, can you, Sabrina, explain what causes it? She sent us a photo. Now, I, would, oh, yeah, like I was going to say, I would face. suggest it's um, scale and it's a soft body. It's cottony cushion scale. It spreads like wildfire sucks the living daylights out of the leaf, brings with it a fungal disease that'll knock it, rip it out. Okay. You either have to rip it out or set fire to it. And you're not allowed to do that at this time of the year. Tim. No, you you're cer- be very careful. Certainly uh, not. You have to I be very would rip careful. it out, get rid of it. Now, that cottony cushion scale, the babies, mm. will be in the ground. So leave it dormant for a little while, at yeah. least a month before you replant. Yeah. And someone tets. 
wanted to someone asked me if I could write because I'm writing this book mm. um, if I could do a section gardening with snakes mm. I don't know if that would be to attract snakes in the garden or what you do when a snake comes into the garden uh, Maxine is in Quinn's rocks hi Maxine Hi, how are you? Yeah, good, Maxine. It's probably about 10 degrees cooler at Quinn's than what it is in the city. I've had some grevilleas that I've lost, two, three little ones, new ones, and now uh, an old one. And the only thing I can see on them is they've got this golden hard sap on the, out, on the bark Ooh. in odd places. And I peel it off. I can't really sort of see any bugs or anything no does it come out sort of ooze out is it like a crystallized yeah but it's quite hard it looks like honey but it's hard yeah, quite yeah, hard yeah. okay that's a borer oh, that sh- is a borer, a borer. <laughs> no 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 it's not the polyphagous shot hole borer uh-uh it's just okay. there's lots yeah. and lots and lots of different types of borers and there is a borer that goes to lots of our native plants. Now, the unfortunate thing is very difficult to treat. Um, you can All you can do is prune the affected branch off Maxine, but if it's in the trunk, then mm. basically... Yeah. So the big old one, I've I've just been taking the branches off when they die. But yes, they they'll so, come. I can't just keep picking, they'll picking come to the off. old. Well, no, because the borer is actually inside the stem. Ah, oh, yeah. Um, um, and they'll go to the old ones. <laughs> like like all of us, when we get older, we become a little mm. bit more vulnerable to pest and disease <laughs> issues. Um, so they take out the old. Uh, pretty quick uh, so i planted some new ones and they that just died within a week well that wouldn't really be bora because bora bora takes a while to kill them yeah. um, oh okay well they're only little ones you know yeah. about a meter oh no it's definitely bora age. need they need something juicy that they can eat so oh, okay yeah couple of frangipani-related questions here, Sabrina. Oh, uh, this person no. says, um, this is Jared in Applecross. He's got a frangipani two metres tall in his backyard. He's noticed several of the main branches are soft and spongy. He ripped out the sprinkler as he thinks he's overwatered. What else can he do to save it? Probably not a lot, uh, Jared. Now, what's happened is I would say the fungal disease has come from the base upwards. If it's just in the branches, the stems, cut them off. doesn't matter if there is nothing left but a single stick. So you have to cut off all that soggy stuff mm. until it, you get to normal wood. Um, ditch it. And you've done the right thing by removing the sprinkler. But usually those fungal diseases, what happens is if people get excited because they've got a cutting Mm. and they shove it straight in the ground, Mm. it'll take two years for the rot to move up to the top of the plant. Right, okay. So don't put frangipanis in the ground until they have a root system. Mm. That's Mm -hmm. the lesson there. Yes, dry them out a bit. Yeah, but you can, there's an anti-rot spray. So cut off all the soft spongy stuff, spray it with anti-rot and then go and visit a nursery and see what other frangipanis are uh, in stock. Yeah, all right, there you go, Jared. Uh, on the frangipani topic, um, this uh, person, it's Gary, he wants to know how to reduce the height of his old frangipani. It's about four metres. 
Uh, when's the best time to prune and where on the branch should we make the cut? I'm waiting to do mine as Are well. You? Every three years I just hack in. So you have to do it before it cools down. So March mm-hmm. is a really good time. Now it's going to sulk for the first year and won't give you a single flower and go, look what you did to me. I've got no hair. <laughs> um, so you can prune it as hard as you want. Yeah, okay. So March, mid-March, mid to the end of March, hook in, save the cuttings mm-hmm. for friends. Yes. Um, I take 50% off mine. Do you? So yep. where it's all branching out, I just have a single stem. Right. And then where you cut it, you'll get two or three stems from that one stem. Because I want to see the flowers. Yes. How big is yours? Uh, it's probably four metres high. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so I bring it down to about three. Yeah. Mm. Um, they're beautiful, aren't they? Love them. Ranger Be very pounds. careful of the sap. Some people mm. have a really bad allergic reaction to the sap. Other people will put it in their eyeball and go blind for about six hours. Oh, dear. Uh, don't stir your cup of tea with it. Okay. Milky oh. sap, toxic. <laughs> okay. Just um, just for something you don't like. Yeah. No, no, no. no. <laughs> All right. Let's go to Mount Pleasant before I get in trouble. Uh, Rhonda. Hello, Rhonda. Oh, hello. Um, I've got great sadness with my dahlias, Sabrina. <gasps> no, um, I love dahlias, Rhonda. I'm with you. They were glorious in uh, December, beautiful in um, And then now they look withered. They've lost their colour. Oh. They're not flowering. The Shasta daisies, chrysanthemums, the Dipsophila and the um, roses that are around them are looking fine. Right. Okay, um, that's good. But, yeah, but the chrysanthemum, uh, the little um, uh, pyrethrum uh, daisies have also perished. Oh, they're, they're now, inside where they yeah. get full sun and right. full wind, and I'm wondering whether they got sizzled. Yep, they've got sizzled because mine did the same, Rhonda. Now, there's two <sighs> things. There is a virus that hits dahlias, and it's the same virus that potatoes get. They mm. also get thrip, not chilli thrip, but flower thrip. And that makes the tops sort of munted and and wriggly and withered, uh, <laughs> and they they just got to go. No, no, okay. No. So it's the weather. Remember that dahlias are soft and fleshy, so it's the wind more than anything, Rhonda. So once exactly. temperatures get above thirty-seven, thirty-eight degrees, and you have a hot easterly come through they just go oh no i'd like to be in england now (laughs) (laughs) so the great thing is though Rhonda, cut in a a couple of weeks in a week's time cut the tops off and they will reflower um julian balga has texted to say uh, that she has a flowering plum and a flowering cherry 14 months in her yard yeah should she put shade cloth over them especially in the heat (laughs) Well, I hate to tell you, Julie, you've got about as much hope as getting flowers on your cherry as I have giving up drinking. Um, Now, the problem with the flowering cherry is it needs a cold Mm. winter to set Mm -hmm. flower. You might get one or two, Mm. but not more than that. Uh, The flowering plum, on the other hand, will love it. Yes, if you now the flowering plum will be quite tough. Your flowering cherry is going to get sizzled. All mm. the edges of the leaves will go brown. They'll probably drop off. Shade cloth around them will definitely help, particularly if they're small. 
So go ahead and do that. But I'm afraid I don't hold much hope for your flowering cherry in Belga. All right, uh, Julie, um, there you have it. Uh, Susie in Williston has texted to say, Hi, lovelies. That, oh, there we go. Oh, that's us. Uh, that's yeah. us, yeah. Uh, I have quite a few raised garden beds that um, she grows veggies in. Despite yep. adding compost and manure each season, the soil is quite depleted. Uh, should Susie empty half out, replace it with compost and cow manure to build it back up? Yes. Now, Susie, I would add some clay in with that. I'd get some clay. I'd get mm. some biochar. Make sure you get good quality compost. There's two big composting companies in Perth. One's up north, the other's down south. Their compost is excellent. You can buy it in big one cubic metre bulker bags. Can't tell you who they are, mm-hmm. which is not helpful at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but make sure you get good quality compost and you can't plant in pure compost. You do need soil as well. Worm wee. Uh, loop and loosen, biochar, whatever manure that you want, mix it all together. And you can even put a green manure crop in, which helps put nitrogen back into the soil. Mm, good. There we go. Give that a go, uh, Susie. Uh, Bez has texted in to say um, Bez has uh, three crepe myrtles mm. in the Bustleton Garden. They were planted four years ago. Every summer they look terrible. Yeah. Great when they first shoot leaves, but yep. very quickly turn yellow, ground crisp edges on the leaves. Yep. They're watered via a bore twice a week, 60 litres in total. This year they were fertilised with a safe growing fertiliser. Mm-hmm. Good dose of organic compost. Wedding agent now wood chip mulch. They are flowering. Ah. The flowers are not as vibrant. What else can Bez do? Okay, Bez. Uh, three times, you're better off plant, you're hand watering three times a week. With the bore, the bore could be alkaline, so the tree can't get hold of potassium. So spray the leaves at the beginning of summer with liquid potassium. Then after you've done that, you need to spray them with a polymer a sunscreen that's made for plants and it will help shield the plant against drought Mm. because I can't give you the product (laughs) Um, and uh, yeah so liquid potassium the polymer sunscreen and I would because if you're using bore water it could be alkaline I would hand water once a week to try and drop the pH. Mm, okay, try that one, Bez. Thanks for texting in. Uh, Helen is asking, um, Helen's got a grevillea in her front yard in Willerton. Mm-hmm. Uh, in semi-shade, it's been slowly getting less healthy over the past five years, now seems to be dead. Oh. Uh, will it be okay to put in another grevillea when I dig the dead one out or should I choose something else? Uh, if it's not getting a lot of sun, I'd be very careful which grevillea you use. They do get a rot that in the root or around the main trunk, which isn't a problem. Go and get some spreadable soil microbes, get some compost, and you can still plant another grevillea in the same spot. I would not use the same variety. I'd get a different type of grevillea. Mm. Leave it a month before you replant. All right, Helen, give that a whirl. Uh, Joan Yokine has texted in as well. Uh, she Joe says, I'm expecting this is going to be bad news. <laughs> but that's a way to start. <laughs> Please brace yourself, Sabrina. Uh, they moved their beautiful lemon tree in September last year. They had no choice, uh, read the timing uh, due to renovations, pruned it about 25% when they replanted it. It's looking very sad and naked, possibly dead. Is there any hope it is still alive? 
Heaps of hope, Joe. Okay, there we go. That's all right. Get your get your fingernail and scrape the bark and do it where you think there is life. If there's green, there's life. Um, and now lemons can sit there and salt for quite a while when they've been transplanted. Very normal. Keep the water up. Don't fertilize. Don't put anything on the root system. Um, Go out at night time and talk to it sweetly, sing a little song, keep the water up. If there's green, there's life and it will reshoot when the weather cools down. ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. 